0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another fantastic edition of the Cybersecurity Matters Podcast. I'm your co-host, Dominic Vogel, and joining me is the man who needs no introduction, Mr. Christian Redshaw. Christian, how are you doing today? I am doing well, as always. How are you doing, Dominic? That's good. One of these days, I'm sure you're going to say, I'm feeling terrible, Dom, why would you <laughs> ask me that? But uh, today is not that day. Uh, who is our guest today? Well, his name is Alan Alford, and he is the Chief
1: Information Security Officer of a company called TrustMap, and he's based out of Dallas, Texas. Yeah, he,
0: he, he, uh, he is a big personality. Really excited to have him on the show, uh, coming all the way, like you said, live from Dallas. So we will take a brief pause here. We'll bring him onto the show, and we'll see what happens. Let's do it. Yeehaw.
1: Alan Alford, all the way from Dallas, Texas, joining us on Cybersecurity Matters. God bless Texas and welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you. It's so good to be here.
1: I'm just going to kind of give a, a high level question out there because I want to see where you go with this the podcast is called Cybersecurity Matters. What, why in your opinion does it matter?
2: Why does cybersecurity matter? That's, no, that's a great question to ask somebody like me because I've been, I've been doing it for 20 years. Uh, I'm in a leadership position. I'm a CISO and CTO. I've been a CISO several times now. So in theory, I should be the first person with the best answer for this question. <laughs> I can't and the reality is when you do it for as long as I've done it, it's, it's that old uh, can't see the trees for the woods, right? right. Um, and so uh, that actually gives me a moment of pause to answer that. Why does it matter? It matters because more and more data has become the commodity by which we live our lives. Data is, is today's oil, right? It used to be that we would, you know, drill oil from the ground and transport it and it was worth tons of money. And I'm a Texan talking, so I know what I'm talking about here. And uh, you know, now it's data. Data is the commodity. It's, 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 it's precious. It's these ideas behind uh, GDPR, CCPA, and these other laws that are out to protect consumer privacy you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, all these other places, you know, we have to think very carefully about what we do with our data, who we give it to. Every one of us knows it sucks to have somebody get a hold of your email address, you didn't want to have get a hold of your email address. That's a tiny, tiny scraping the surface example of how critical this stuff is. If somebody were to get your health records and your social security number and commit identity fraud against you, like that's that's a whole nother level of that same kind of thing, but it's all about the data. And so if we're not doing cybersecurity, we're not protecting data. And if we're not protecting data, we're, we're getting ourselves in a huge amount of trouble.
1: Yeah. And just a quick follow up question before I pass it over to Dominic. Cybersecurity people use the term security posture. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just one of the many, many uh, words that are, that are used. Can you define what is meant when somebody like yourself uses the term cybersecurity posture? And, and how is that relevant in terms of sure. defining what it is and what you're supposed to do about it?
2: I think posture is one of the terms we stole from the world of uh, physical security back in back in the day. Um, just like, you know, there's a ton of terms in cybersecurity and information security, whatever you want to call it. We have a ton of terms that we stole from the DOD uh, and, and other other similar entities. Um, and a security posture is basically your readiness. Um, the bad things are coming are you prepared? And how prepared are you? You know, let's imagine um, we're talking about somebody at home uh, and we're talking about your home invasion kind of scenario, right? Home invasion is the risk you're up against. What's your security posture versus home invasion? Well, I have a front door. That front door has a lock. That front door has a bolt lock. So now there's two locks, right? I've got a, I've got a deadbolt as well as a regular lock. Uh, I have a burglar alarm system. My burglar alarm system comes with a panic button. Uh, I've got a dog, a big giant German shepherd who barks and sounds horribly mean, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Your security posture is your readiness versus whatever the threat might be. And so if the threat is something like home invasion, your posture is probably about the same as most of your neighbors. Um, but you may be the guy that also, you know, and again, I'm in Texas, might, you know, keep a six shooter in your nightstand. <laughs> um, you know, your, your posture can vary based on on what the threat is and what your degree of readiness is and the degree you've chosen to invest in it. Uh, and one of the biggest pieces of guidance that I give as a leader in cybersecurity is you don't want to just go secure all the things, right? I'm always thinking of that little internet meme with that excited little girl, all the things uh, you don't secure, all the things you don't, you secure the things you think need securing against the threats that you think you might be facing. And that's what you secure. And and that combined roll up is your security posture. So if
1: I'm a business leader and I just say, well, you know, we're just a small organization, Um, We've got antivirus and firewall and and IT handles our cybersecurity. What would you say is my security posture?
2: Pretty low, actually, (laughs) um, because ransomware is probably the biggest thing you face. Ransomware knows no boundaries. Uh, Ransomware doesn't care if you're big, doesn't care if you're little, uh, doesn't care what profession or practice you're in. Uh, Yes, there is sophisticated ransomware where the attackers will infiltrate your environment and monitor and spend months building an entire map and assessing who you are and how much money they think they can get from you. That does exist, but there's just as much ransomware out there that doesn't care who the target is. It just lands where it lands. Uh, domain.com, you know, whatever, my company name.com gets an email. Somebody clicks on that email. Somebody gives credentials. Next thing you know, you've been ransomed. And so it's not, um, It's not enough anymore to have antivirus, firewalls, all the basic and traditional controls. It's just not. You've got to train your users. You've got to know what to click on and not click on. You've got to be prepared for scenarios like ransomware where all it takes is one click and one login and boom, your entire shop has just been locked up against your will. Um, it, It takes awareness training. It takes tooling. It takes a lot of effort. To prevent something like that, and unfortunately, that's the most prevalent cybercrime there is now. Is, is ransomware.
0: On that threat of uh, or threat of uh, ransomware, and the other thing too, I'll, I'll note is um, at least up, up here in Vancouver, I, have, I keep a nine iron by my bed. Um, I don't don't have a gun by my bed, but I, I can swing the nine iron pr- pretty hard. But um, uh, back back to, to, to ransomware, um, I, I even want to look at what happened with Colonial Pipeline. And I want to sort of talk about maybe what we'll refer to as that communication gap. Um, you know, when the CEO from Colonial Pipeline referenced that he paid the ransom because that was for the well-being of the nation. Uh, that comment, when I was thinking about it, I thought, well, if you're thinking about the well-being of the nation, why didn't you invest more in cybersecurity beforehand? In the first place. Right? Like that, that seemed like a very hollow statement. And uh, in, in from what in your experience and you know, the executives and boards that, that, that you've interacted with, Alan, um, is there still that type of gap where... Um, people like the CEO at the Colonial Pipeline there, that they just don't care about cybersecurity until after the fact?
2: I, I think that is definitely a phenomenon. I think there are folks who truly don't care until it becomes something that matters to them. But I don't think it's out of callousness or, or a negative position or place per se, at least in most cases. There may be people actively hating on cybersecurity, but I haven't, I haven't run into that. What I've run into is a, a litany of beliefs that make it to where you don't feel like you need to invest in cyber. Uh, such things as it'll happen to the other guy, not me. I'm just a little old fill in the blank. Why would it happen to me, right? Well, Colonial Pipeline, we're just this one little place and all we do is deliver gas to this one. We're, we're nobody. Why would they hit us? Well, they, they hit you. Um, other people feel like I've got a bunch of controls in place. To your point, I've already got a security posture. Like I hired a guy and we got the stuff and he employed the things. And I know there's this annoying blinky thing every time I try to log in. And so therefore we must be secure. There's this belief that a little is enough. There's a belief that it won't happen to me. Uh, there's a whole stack of beliefs like that. And um, there's also this this uh, belief that uh, cyber insurance might just cover you and take care of all that for you. Uh, there's a belief that law enforcement might cover it and take care of it for you. There's there's all manner of beliefs that I think ultimately add up to not understanding how real the threat is, not understanding how severe the consequences are, and not understanding how much you are, in fact, holding your own bag when it when it does happen to go down. Because cyber insurance, for example, these days, those guys are savvy. They're, they're, you know, insurance companies are basically banks. They don't make tons of money off a profit off the insurance. What they're doing is trying to calculate a world where the money's in and the money's out are about the same. And meanwhile, they can live off the interest. They're basically banks. To be competitive, they can't charge a bunch. So it's all about sitting on the money and making a little bit of interest. So they clock the ins and the outs more than any other industry. And these days, if it turns out you didn't have your antivirus, or that's all you had was old school antivirus, you didn't do any security awareness training, you didn't have any anti-malware, you didn't have anything that was designed for more modern threats like ransomware, you didn't do any of the basic protections, odds are your cyber insurance policy isn't going to pay out.
0: The the uh, and, and you're you're absolutely right there, Alan. I really appreciate you summarizing that in a way that our, our viewers and listeners I think will will we'll, um, understand and will resonate with them. Um, Giving you more of a, maybe even just a situational question, you know, if, um, you know, let's say you're just an average um, CEO of a small or mid-sized organization somewhere in Canada or in the U.S., um, what would you tell her or him what would be the number one or two security priorities or security items that they should be focusing on as an executive?
2: Right. So, I, I get asked this one a lot, and, and I want to I do a little bit of a disclaimer. I will answer the question um, as it was asked, but I'm going to give a little disclaimer before I do. In, in our line of work, we generally try to avoid giving a specific set of guidance as a standard rule of thumb, go do this. right? Uh, in terms of the technologies you employ or deploy or whatever it might be. And the reason for that is what we should have is a risk-based practice. What you should be doing If you're doing it correctly, is looking at your business, looking at the specific risks you face, looking at the specific likelihood and impact of those risks occurring, cataloging and tracking those risks, and then making your decision as to what you deploy based on those factors and variables. Now, obviously, if you are the CEO of a small business, you don't have a cyber team, you don't have that luxury, right? So, that being said, what are my default go tos in the absence of being able to really truly do a proper risk assessment before I make my recommendation? First and foremost is MFA, multi factor authentication you have got to get to a point where in order to log into your computer in the first place, and that counts for every employee and contractor and anybody that can access your networks for them to log in in the first place, they have to not just have a username and password, but something else, an app on their phone, a text message an email, anything is better than just username and password. Ideally you don't do text message or email because those can be, spoofed and hacked and compromised pretty quickly in their own right. But everyone knows about, you know, Google Authenticator, Microsoft Authenticator. There's a billion free apps on the phone. Use something like that. What that does for you is if the bad guys manage to send that phishing email and grab the credentials of one of your employees, they still can't log in because that first login is where ransomware starts. Stop the ability for the bad guys to get that first login. As soon as they realize MFA is required, they move on to another target. That's that's advice number one. Advice number two is awareness training. Get your users and yourself and everyone in your company, and again, contractors and anyone else who has access to your networks, get them trained. Go find training. There are plenty of companies out there who provide free or very affordable security training to get everybody on board and everybody starting to understand what the risks and the threats look like. It doesn't matter what size you are. It doesn't matter who you are. This stuff can and will affect you. And there's good training to teach you the basic stuff that the humans in your environment need to do to help prevent it. So security awareness training to bolster the workforce, MFA to prevent the ransomware. And then, of course, from there, you've got your usual, you got to have firewalls. you got to have your um, anti-malware protections on your desktop. And I don't recommend antivirus to anybody anymore. Uh, I recommend EDR, uh, endpoint detection and response. Go look at that. It's the modern replacement for antivirus that will catch a lot more of the ransomware type activities. Uh, And that would be my sort of my basic go-to punch list, not knowing what the risks are in specific that I'm facing.
0: Right. And and, that that disclaimer is actually very good context as well, and with the importance of stressing that this should be risk-informed decisions. Any executive should be making a more risk-informed decision rather than playing a random lot of cards in terms of uh, uh, what to do. Um, One of the things which I wanted to... Um, to ask as a, as a follow-up um, there is when we're talking about um, cybersecurity uh, as a the discipline of risk management, um, mm-hmm. how do we, I know we were, you were hitting on this earlier, uh, but how do we make sure that we, from a communication perspective, make sure that executives and board directors don't see cybersecurity, don't group it as an IT thing, but see it more as a risk management discipline, just like they would see right. operational risk, financial right. risk, personnel risk. Right. How, how do we make sure that we start having those right conversations? Enterprise
1: risk management.
2: Yeah. Yep, enterprise risk management, sure. In in a lot of organizations, larger organizations, you will see that the CISO, the Chief Information Security Officer, is no longer reporting to the CIO like they used to. They are often reporting into the CRO, the Chief Risk Officer. Um, sometimes you'll see them reporting into general counsel. Sometimes you'll see them reporting into other roles and entities that are that are centered around this basic idea that a we're a business b we face risks and c information security risks are a subset of the risk we face that is ultimately the paradigm you should be looking at there is nothing new to cyber risk in terms of how we manage it process it convey it measure it report it it's just risk at the end of the day cyber risk is risk and any cyber professional who thinks that their risk is special. Um, you know, check them and call them out on it. Because at the end of the day, what we care about is the impact of the organization. The the organization, regardless of whether it's a for-profit business, a public entity, uh, whatever it might be, it doesn't matter. There's an organization, there's a mission, there's everything it takes to achieve that mission. There's a measurable results of whether the mission has been achieved, right? That applies to everybody. I don't care who you are on the planet. And the risks are anything that derail that process. And so a cyber risk can mess that up just as easily as any other business risk. Is there a risk of fire or flood or theft, physical theft, somebody breaking in? Is there a risk of an active shooter? Whatever. Any of these risks, cyber risk, it's all the same thing. So what you have to do as the person responsible for the cyber risk is make sure that you are not acting special. Make sure that you are speaking in general risk terms and make sure that any general risk terms you're speaking in are also spoken of in, in, in turn in general business terms. If you cannot, as a cyber practitioner, articulate why this particular cyber risk matters to the business in business terms and business language, you're failing at your job.
1: Yeah, you're, you're tying right into my first question. So that's a, that's a beautiful circle there as I slap my microphone in
0: excitement. Um, I, I think we have the, the time for one more question. We're, sure. we're running short on time here. Sure. Well, I have a couple, so I'll go quick. Maybe you can go quick with me too, Alan.
1: All right. Um, all right. So I'm thinking you know, small, medium-sized businesses int- have internal humble IT department and or an IT MSP. Um, how is it that you can get across that cybersecurity is a, a business enabler or mm-hmm. a revenue enabler for the for the organization? Right. And I guess you know part part two to that is you know how does it help uh, boost customer uh, instill confidence in, in customers?
2: Right. Any business that sells to another business is automatically, by definition, part of that other business's supply chain. And if you think after Solar Winds. Uh, Anybody is not concerned about the security of their supply chain. If you think about after the target breach, uh, which was a supply chain breach as well, uh, any of the major breaches, the odds are supply chain was a factor or or the direct cause. So if you're doing business with other businesses, it matters, uh, period. Even if you are not, you still have business goals. And we're back to the whole business risk, right? Now we'll talk about business goals. Business goals like accelerate time to market business goals like um, you know dominate the competition, whatever. Security is a, is a value proposition, it's a differentiator. If you can show that you've got really good security versus your competitors, if you can show that anytime you're interacting with customer data, you're interacting with it in a meaningful and secure way versus your competitors cannot make that claim, there are loads of people that are gonna come to you for that reason and that reason alone. That's one factor. Another factor is security as an accelerator. I mentioned MFA before. MFA couples really well with SSO single sign on. If today your business logs into the main computer and then logs into the other application and then logs into the other application and logs into the other application and then has to bounce back and they got logged out and they got to go back in and da, da 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 da, you can enable SSO single sign on, which is just as secure uh, and works in conjunction with MFA. And you log in once you get in everywhere, you've sped up the performance and the productivity of your entire team. That's one small example. A lot of the security training I mentioned, security awareness training, can also be business training. It can also speed up and streamline and and fine tune uh, behaviors of your staff and and business goals like accelerate time to market. Security can be an accelerator. Absolutely, can be.
1: Love it, love it. And then, so for companies that can't afford you or or uh, Dominic. Um, they, they need an internal security champion that will do the best they can. Um, how would you vi- advise a smaller uh, mid-sized business to develop their own internal security champions?
2: Somewhere in your organization is somebody who's already got an interest in this stuff and who's passionate about it. Find that person. Give them some authority. Give them some clout. And I strongly advise, even if you can't afford a me or a Dominic, uh, spend a little bit of money for a partial me or a partial Dominic. There are fractional CISOs. There are VCISOs. There are ways to get that overarching guidance to get you started where, yeah, you got to pay some upfront. I mean, nothing's free, but you can pay a little, get the initial guidance, feed it to that person you found internally who's passionate about the subject and, and help empower and educate and inform them. And then just, you know, as you need, spend that fractional money. There's also, if you want to outsource the whole thing, options like MSSP, managed security service providers. There's uh, XDR, EDR, MDR. There's various tools and solutions whose uh, acronym ends with DR, which stands for detection and response. Instead of trying to maintain and manage your own uh, anti-malware solution on your desktops, you can actually sign up for a service that loads the stuff on your software on your on your hardware, and then actually back at their shop is monitoring the results and maintaining it and calling you if something fishy happens. So you can outsource pieces of the tech stack that way. You can outsource um, pieces of the ownership and get some guidance and advice to get you started. There's plenty of options for fractional CSO VC. So there's a lot of stuff out there that you can pick and choose from. Lovely. That Thanks. That, <laughs>
0: that was an absolutely legendary conversation, Alan. That uh, you, you you delivered big time. Uh, Chris and I are just so grateful for the amazing conversation that we had with you uh, today. And yeah, you did the Lone Star State proud, my friend. That was <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> that was Thank absolutely you. fantastic. It was great to be here. Awesome. Uh, Chris and I will be back momentarily to wrap up today's episode. Uh, Well, as usual, people from the Lone Star State do not disappoint. Uh, Alan was absolutely fantastic. What a brilliant conversation. I'm really curious to know your thoughts. I have many thoughts, but the overall big picture thought that I have is taking a
1: risk-based approach to cybersecurity. That means Reducing the likelihood that an event will happen, and then if something does happen, which is inevitable at some point in your business or your organization, reducing the impact. So doing things to prepare for an incident when it does happen so that it becomes a speed bump and not
0: a sinkhole, as you always (laughs) like to say. I think you probably say it better than me. You did a pretty good job there. i can give you a nine out of 10 there. Okay, thanks. (laughs) I try. Uh, Uh, But uh, extending on that, I think Alan did a really great job Framing again things from a risk management perspective yeah. saying you what know, ideally you should be taking a risk-oriented approach to this This isn't just pulling cards out of the air or just giving generic advice has Relying to be on risk- myths. Relying on myths it has to be risk-oriented. And I think that, that was very impactful and uh, really great information uh, from him and that's again how most executives should be thinking Uh, especially around cybersecurity. Um, But as always, we want to make sure that we thank uh, our our amazing guests uh, and we want to make sure that we thank our amazingly loyal uh, listeners and viewers. Uh, If you like the video portion or video version of the podcast, please do subscribe to our Cybersecurity Matters YouTube channel. Uh, If you prefer the video, or sorry, if you prefer the audio version only, uh, please do uh, subscribe uh, on your favorite podcasting platform. Uh, Until next time, be well, be safe, and thank you again for joining us on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast.